0: Love Talk Radio.
1: <clears throat> welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, this is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today, I am super excited to be speaking with TEDx speaker, author, and journalist, Jill Sherry-Murray, about the unstoppable power of letting go, especially if you want to let love in. And in my 10 years as a life and dating coach, I believe that we have to unlearn the unhealthy beliefs that we learned about relationships and love from our family of origin, from all the relationships we had that didn't work out. They form these beliefs that we have about love, about men, about relationships that we have to, like, unlearn in order to find the love that we're seeking. And when we do heal our hearts and learn how to honor and value all the parts of ourselves, especially the parts that people told us were too much or not enough, we then transform our lives and become the women of value who attract in toe-curling epic love. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is love is your birthright. And it's funny that that became the tip of the week because they they go in order, and often they really go with the topic of of the day. And so I do believe love is our birthright, and when you hear Jill's story, you will see that um, she was able to find the love that she was seeking by doing something that all of you can do. So love is there. It's just that we have to sometimes get out of our own way. Um, And before I bring Jill on, I just always like to let you know that I do have a private Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. Jill is a member. And if you are not yet a member, please join us. It's called Your Last First Date. And the conversation there is always positive. There is no man bashing. We highly monitor this group so that we keep the posts forward-moving, taking action, and people have said that their lives have been transformed just by being a member of my group, so that makes me so happy. Um, So if you're not yet a member, join us. All right, Jill Sher-Murray, she is a TEDx speaker. She's an author, award-winning journalist, and the founder of Let Go For It. In her TEDx talk, The Unstoppable Power of Letting Go, which I highly recommend that you watch, She helps people let go to have the uh, great love and a better life. And she has a column called Big Wild Love, Let Go For It. And her column helps viewers who have reached out to her for advice and inspiration after seeing her TEDx talk. She studied improvisation at the Second City Training Center in Chicago, which is so cool. And she also wrote a popular blog called The Diary of a Writer in Midlife Crisis, for WildRiverReview.com, and she documented her year-long journey to lose weight for Shape Magazine. She's pretty cool, isn't she? So join me now for episode number 313, How to Let Go to Let Love In with TEDx Speaker Jill Sharer murray Welcome to the show, Jill.
0: Thank you so much, Sandy. I am so excited to be talking with you. I'm a huge, huge fan of you. I I have to say before we even go any further that Mm -hmm. I love your Facebook group. I want to sit down in front of your Facebook group with like a bowl of popcorn and a milkshake (laughs) and just sit and read it and go through. Your advice is so spot on. I'm like literally, you know, nodding my head and going, yes, yes. And I think to myself, gosh, I wish I had I wish I had you, a you and a Facebook group like this when I was dating for a million years mm. and struggling and suffering my way unnecessarily through love. So well thank you for having thank you. me
1: on. Yeah. Thank you, and I wish I had a me and a my Facebook group too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? God, yeah, my it's, goodness. Um Really, support is so important, but that, thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, So absolutely. tell us tell us a little bit about your TEDx talk for anybody who hasn't watched it, because I think your story is just so beautiful. So if you can give us like a little Cliff Notes version of the TEDx talk, that would be great. Sure.
0: Sure. So um, when I was in my 30s and my early 40s, I was in a long-term relationship with someone that I very deeply loved who – just didn't want what I wanted. I mean, it was really not any more complicated than that. I mean, it's a tale as old as time, right? I wanted marriage, and he didn't. And so, you know, I spent a large part of, you know, my, my 30s and early 40s kind of hoping and wishing and, and longing and armchair diagnosing and hoping and praying that some, at some point in the process, this man would spring up in the middle of the night and say, oh, my God, She's the one. What am I, crazy? I have to go and, and marry her and, and, and give her the commitment that she wants and it you know, it just didn't happen. So
1: <laughs> shockingly <laughs> got,
0: shockingly it just didn't happen. So um I had to come to the realization that struck me in a very, very deep and profound epiphany, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, but um, you know, we have these epiphanies all the time about the sort of the truth of our romantic relationships and where we are in relationships and where we are in love. But so often we sleepwalk our way through them because we're just not ready for them. And I had this amazing epiphany when this, when this, uh, this gentleman didn't show up for something that I wanted him to show up, but mostly he wasn't showing up and he, He hadn't showed up in a lot of ways, although he was a very, very wonderful person. And I think, you know, I always say this, Sandy, I think sometimes it's so much easier to leave someone who's horrible than to leave someone Mm -hmm. who's really good but just doesn't want what you want. And I think that was part of the struggle for me. And so I really had to wake up one day and, and really let go. And, I mean, I had to let go of him. I let go of an entire life so that I could move forward and have the life that I always wanted that I thought was out of reach, that I thought was only available to other people until, like you said, I had to understand how to get out of my own way. And mm-hmm. that was sort of my journey, and it was, it was scary, and it was, um, you know, a long time coming, and I learned an awful lot about myself as a result of it. Um, you know, I say he, you know, he, was, he was somebody who really taught me that I was worthy of love, and in letting go of him, he really taught me how to love myself.
1: Aww. And that was,
0: that was the journey. I mean, that was really the journey for me. And I think, I think it's the journey for so many people who are struggling in love. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I so, so agree with you. And thank you for sharing a bit about your story. I think that, look, I stayed 23 years in a bad marriage because I thought that was all there was. And right. I thought it was as good as it got, because that was my experience, that mm-hmm. what I thought I wanted was a fairy tale. It wasn't real. Yeah. And I think that yeah. also I worked so hard to say the right thing and stand on my head and, you know, try mm-hmm. another way to get through and and make the changes that I thought were necessary. And so what I one of the things I've learned is that we have to start with the right foundation. And with that... With that, with the right set of experiences and values and character traits, and shared, you know, shared everything like the the most important things.
0: Mm-hmm. Everything else
1: is workable. It's you can't start with what's missing and hope to fix that.
0: Right, absolutely, and and you know, you really can't start with with the other person or what the other person is or isn't giving you. You know, you Mm -hmm. really have to come, you know, I love what you said about, you know, the, the belief system that we were given from our family of origin. I mean, I think so much of the time we are in relationships trying to work that out, but we're doing that in a way that we're very unconscious to. So we're making choices based on a belief system that was given to us at a very young age, and we don't really have a connection or access to those beliefs. So we're kind of moving on autopilot. Until we stop, I mean, this is what happened for me. I mean, I really got to the point where I had to stop and really look in the mirror and say, why am I still here? You know, why am I stuck? What, what am I getting from being in this relationship that's not giving me what I want that I need? And, and how can I use the information that I can learn about what's driving me to get what I do want in life? So... Um, I think it's really important to start, you know, I love the whole woman of value thing because I think that was that was such an enormous lesson for me. And I talk about it in the context of having something called radical self-love, which is really
1: mm-hmm.
0: taking that self-love and, you know, it's about loving and understanding the basics of who the basics of who you are and what moves you so that you can find the courage and the confidence that you need to do to make the big and sometimes really scary moves which can be letting go of a relationship that's not working or letting go to your silence maybe you're in a relationship that that has promise but you're holding on to your voice you're afraid to say what you need or what you feel or even that fear of getting out there and just dating because there's so many risks that are associated with letting go that until you really understand and love yourself, I mean, that's what gives you the sense of courage and empowerment to take those risks that you need to take to go and let go. So I think having that radical self-love, sort of figuring that out, understanding that whole woman of value piece is really where a good relationship starts.
1: hmm well, so um, yeah. let's define two things. One is I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this whole concept of of self-love, which gives you the confidence to make better choices. I, mm-hmm. You know, we see it in the group, and you probably have seen a lot of posts where people are asking questions that are, first of all, un- unanswerable. Like right. um, there was one the other day about uh, a guy being set up with her. And what do you guys think about set-ups? Do they work? I mean, yes and no, and you've got to try for yourself. So, like, you know, right. if you're going to base it on, you know, five people who had bad setups, and then you could meet the most amazing person. I mean, that's that's how people used to always meet. Exactly. You know, uh, so exactly. if everybody felt that setups were bad, you know, it makes these broad generalizations that keep you single, um, but when you have the core confidence, you can say, let me see what this guy is like. Let exactly. me go out with him or talk to him on the phone. We may have nothing in common and not even want to go on a date, you know, but we right. make better choices. Absolutely. Um, so let's, let's define um, what your your definition of radical self-love and then your definition of letting go.
0: So, I mean, I would say, you know, again, this whole idea of radical love, radical self-love is really about that sort of that gift of introspection. It really is, you know, not just the self-love from a self-care perspective, but it's really taking the time that you need and engaging in activities, whether that's, therapy whether that's counseling whether that's being in a support group talking to friends journaling meditating whatever that is for you where you're really coming to understand who you are and what you want and what are those limit limiting beliefs that you're carrying around about yourself that are informing the decisions that you're making right so if you come from a from a parent who for example tells you you know in my situation, you know, I had to be a perfect size six to be loved. Mm. So, you know, if I'm not a perfect size six, who's going to want me? Now I have this man who loves me no matter what size I am. So uh-huh. why would I leave? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, that's an example. It's, it's, you know, we may not know those things on the surface while we're staying or while we're making the decisions that we make, but I think at a certain point, when we are either tired or in pain or just we've had enough, we want to make better choices, I think rather than rushing to go into another relationship it's, or looking to other people to give you answers, it's really the time to go inward and say, you know, maybe I need to stop and really think about what, what do I think of myself and, and what are those beliefs, how are they driving my decision-making, and if they're not serving me, how can I change them so that they can serve me? Because I think when you understand the actions that are driving you, you know, you still have those things reflexively. There's still certain things. Like when I, when I let go of, of Hector and I was 42 years old, I mean, I thought to myself, I had to let go of the idea or the belief that I was too old to start over. You know, who was going to want me at 42? Mm-hmm. I had to let go of that outdated belief. So, you know, you're always going to have beliefs and there's always going to be things that are going to trigger you sort of back to those old beliefs, those old wounds. But I think if we have an awareness of them, we can stop ourselves and say, okay, come on. Come on, old belief, get out because you're going to be in my way again and I don't want you in my Mm -hmm. way. So to me, that radical self-love really starts with understanding the foundation of who we are and getting clear about what we want, and I think until we can do those things, we're kind of shooting in the dark, we're kind of walking in circles, leaving the house with no destination and no understanding of whether or not we're in the best car for our journey. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: we, we definitely, when you have the awareness, you stop looking externally and you start looking internally and you start to trust that you do have the answers. Um, I actually gave a speech. I should send you the link to this. It was a a contest speech for Toastmasters about a mother's intuition. And it was about the hardest decision I ever had to make. And Mm. what the repeating refrain was, you know the answer. And it was Mm -hmm. this voice that kept coming into my head because it was a really, really difficult choice. It was it was a choice of whether to abort my fourth child or not because mm, um, wow. everyone had told me that she probably had a genetic disease that yeah. my first son had and that if I, you know, I could just abort and try again. And right. I didn't believe in, like, throwing a kid out and trying again unless I had more information. Right. But I couldn't find that information until I was halfway through my pregnancy. And so it was a risk I had to take and I had to really trust my gut Mm-hmm. That I had to make yeah. a very, very tough choice, and so um, I think that you know no matter what it is, when we can amp up our intuition, when we can realize the brilliance of what we already have inside, we're able to get better jobs, find love, do all those things that are difficult for us when we're looking for for everybody else to answer those things for us
0: a- absolutely, I mean. I- there were, so, you know, listen, I think when we have, you know, I, I always say, you know, about epiphanies especially, you know, we can't make meatloaf without meat. So we know the truth. We we, mm-hmm. we know the real answers. And I think that's part of the struggle, too, because then there becomes an element of mm. self-loathing, shame, anger. I know I shouldn't be here. I know this isn't right, but I'm not doing anything about it. But I think mm-hmm. we, we run from those truths because we don't want them to be so. We want a different truth. We're like, we're like, we're just going to hang around here and see if that different truth comes out, or we're so afraid of going through, I call it, I actually call it, Sandy, the tunnel of pain, you know. We don't want to <laughs> feel bad. We don't want to go through that horrible heartbreak because, you know, it's cold in there, and it's dark, and it's wet, and we're alone, and who knows how long it'll take us to ever get to the light, you know, or if it even exists, but we're already in a place of discomfort and we know the truth, so we just live in that space instead of taking, you know, a big gulp and, and pushing our way through to get to that other side so we can understand who we are and then go out and live that truth and not have to bury it or make pretend it's not there or try to sort of dance our way around it. I mean, I think this is what's, I think this is what makes the difference between somebody who actually lets go and somebody who chooses to cope inside of a situation that's not working. So I know mm-hmm. the truth, but I don't want to let go. So I'm going, to figure out, I'm going to figure out a short-term strategy for surviving in this. So I'm going to cope or I'm going to accept or I'm going to, I don't know, normalize the situation or make an excuse for it instead of going into that truth that I know. Because I, I also believe that we know the truth. I, I knew the truth of my relationship for years, mm-hmm. you know, but I just didn't have the the courage or the radical self-love because what also happened for me as a result of coming to all of that is when when I left at 42, I had decided, you know what, there's a lot of ways to have a happy life, and if I go out into the world and I never meet anyone again, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to find a way to be happy with myself, with my life. I'm going to be happy. You know, it doesn't have to be one way. And I think when you find that, when you have that radical self-love and you know that you can trust your own intuition and that you know your truth and you're living your truth and you can, you know, be aware of those things that pop up for you, you become much less dependent and reliant on a relationship to fortify you. And, you know, I once had a boss, he was in sales, and I remember him saying this to me. He said to me, you always have to be ready to walk away. And if you're in a situation that's not working for you so many times we're afraid to walk away because we think it's the last shot. But you know yep. when you have that radical self-love, you're not afraid to walk away because you
1: know you'll be okay. Mhm. Yeah, that's that's so so true. I love that you always have to be ready to walk away. I also love the tunnel of dis, uh, the tunnel of pain. My tunnel, the tunnel um, <laughs> of pain, yeah. <laughs> people really love that bubble of comfort even though it's so uncomfortable and i was on a call with a client recently she she had an old boyfriend come back to her and want to get together again and i said well you're going to have to really be bold and speak up and and um talk to him about the things that really bothered you and so i really you know i make i make women do courageous bold things because otherwise we don't have a real relationship and when right. he discussed what she wanted, he diminished her again, and yeah. and I said he's off the table. I mean, this is it. this is it. You're gonna have to end this because if you don't let go, you will not find what you want. And she goes, but it's so comfortable. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. Right. You're not happy with him. It's right. yeah. He's you know he's good looking, and he has some good qualities. But that I always say one deal breaker makes every good quality null and void it just doesn't matter it doesn't it, matter it, how amazing so they are right so it's for so you true. hector was a great guy and he didn't want to get married you were on different pages in relationship and that doesn't usually change and it, it
0: doesn't it does not change
1: no yeah
0: it does not change and so yeah. you know you, you, it's so easy to go back into that familiar life. And then before you know it, you know, 12 years have gone by. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, in those, that time passes very quickly. And then it it kind of becomes a vicious, a vicious cycle Mm -hmm. and a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you know, a, I've invested all this time. I've invested all this time. I don't want to give up the investment of all this time, but well, you know, what am I going to do now? I probably Mm -hmm. deserve this. So I'm just going to stay here now. Who else is going to want me? How am I going to get past this? You know, maybe this is where I should be. Maybe this is what I deserve. Maybe love wasn't meant for me. You know, like Mm. you run through that whole talk track
1: instead of just going into the tunnel. (laughs) Right, go into the tunnel. Put your butt right in that tunnel. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, so many successful women get very, very immersed in their careers, and a lot of them wake up one day and say, oops, I forgot to get married and have kids. And
0: Exactly.
1: You know, and it's just like, oh, because it's, it is a bubble to be successful where you can. But to be successful in love requires vulnerability. It requires taking risks in a way that we were not trained as kids, most of us. And so what gets you success at work often gets in the way of love. um, And and it's actually something I'm I'm giving a full-day workshop on on Sunday with an expert on sensuality and sexuality because that that is one of the missing pieces, right? It's like you got to connect to who you are as a woman. You can't abandon that part that got you success in other ways in life but I don't want to get off topic, but anyway. So, no,
0: I, um, I actually, you know, that's, it's an interesting point, though, and I actually saw your workshop and I thought it looked really, really cool because, mm. you know, I think for so many women to be successful in the workplace, I mean, I hate to say this, but we kind of have to amp up our masculine energy.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's very hard to shift back and forth when you're spending, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day or 40, 50 hours a week in this masculine energy. And then you have to, you know, come back to that whole other part of yourself. And so Uh you're constantly, you know, shifting back and forth. And I think, again, unless you're aware, you have that awareness and you're able to, you know, live all parts of yourself, Which, when you're successful, especially in the business world, I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, a lot of the truth of that matter is is that, you know, you do have to go in there with a fair amount of masculine energy, and it is complicated for a lot of Mm -hmm. successful women, and I will say this, you know, as I was dating, I mean, one of the things that I loved so much Mm -hmm. about Hector was that he was my champion, he was never threatened by any of my accomplishments or any of my achievements. Mm. He was never trying to diminish those achievements. He was never... You know, I mean, I remember having a boyfriend that I went out with once, and I won an award for an article that I wrote, and I remember telling him, and he... Sandy, he looked mortified when I told him that. He just, Mm. like, his whole his whole frame just kind of sunk down. And so I think yeah. when you're successful, it's really hard. Like I tell people who write to me or to reach out to me, I say, you know, sometimes you need, it takes a little bit longer because you need to find somebody who has the radical self-love you have. So they're yes. not threatened by who you are. They're a champion exactly. for you. And I think when you cultivate that for yourself, you tend to attract more of that to you.
1: And, I so and, agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's you know it's complicated for us women out there. It really is.
1: Well, yes and no. So I think we sometimes complicate it for ourselves. And so mm-hmm. what you just mentioned, I've had the same thing happen. I've had men who have said, I, I remember I got my first TV thing, and um, and mm-hmm. it was for the Daily Buzz. So that was pretty exciting. I also was kind of freaking out because I had no experience in front of a camera and the guy i was dating was like oh like you have such an exciting life i think i'm just going to like get a lawn chair and sit in your front lawn and watch you and it was just oh like oh my gosh Ew. yeah he I know. he also he was nasty about my son putting out his first album because he was a musician who was frustrated and that was my oh my boy. like over the over the edge sorry guy right. you were out um <laughs> Right. And he was like, "Well, I know you're his mother." I'm like, "This has nothing to do with me being his mother. This has right. to do with you being a schmuck." Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: So, exactly. Yeah. So oh that, my gosh. you know,
1: I've encountered that, but it's always to me, it's an insecure man who who mm-hmm. thinks that I'm threatening in any way because I'm I'm a exactly. pretty soft person and you're a soft person. It's not, you know, it's it's the harsh women who put up the guards, and that's something they can do something about. But before before we go, because we are running out of time so quickly. Oh my God, we need like Um, three
0: hours.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. Let's have you back so we can talk more. But um, I would like to get to your seven step process so that people can learn how to let go successfully and find love again. So can you walk us through that?
0: Sure. So really it's a six step process, but the first step that I talk about is that cultivating that radical self-love. So You know, and that is really the self-examination piece. Like you have to go into this process really asking and answering the hard questions of yourself in the mirror because – when you do that, then you have the fortitude that you need and the empowerment and the understanding that you need to move through the rest of the steps. So I think, you know, there's lots of ways to cultivate that self-love. I think a big part of it is really examining and understanding the beliefs that are driving you. It's, you know, being ready to get in that tunnel and not just stare at the opening, to accept what's real for you, to accept the truth that you know is there, you know, accept the reality Mm -hmm. of the situation. And own your part in it, you know, own your mistakes, because nobody is perfect, I mean, I talk about this in my talk, there's no such thing as perfect, if you were perfect, you'd get the evil eyes, so you don't want to be perfect, but... (laughs) You have to understand the mistakes and own the mistakes that you've made so you don't make them again going forward. And you also have to forgive yourself for them. Um, And then you have to kind of learn how to know that no matter what happens, you'll be okay and ask for help if you need it. You know, I always say, I always tell this to my team that works for me, like, you know, I believe that asking for help and good credit are the keys to life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't (laughs) be afraid to ask for help. You know, that's just part of being human. And I would say, you know, the other six steps, because I want to be, you know, I'll, I'll talk quickly through them because I know we don't have that much time, but the first one is really stop sleepwalking through those epiphanies. I mean, I slept, walked through, a couple of them before the big one really hit me and woke me up. But, you know, when epiphany strikes, be awake to it, because that's the truth inside of you trying to tell you something. And so it's very important to, you know, be aware of those moments of revelation, those bursts of clarity that come to you, because they don't come to you from out of nowhere. They're, they're really mm-hmm. these gifts that you get that are sort of trying to guide you in the right direction. And then... The second step is once you have that epiphany, I mean, epiphanies come with consequences, even if it's leading to the best of change, but you need time to process and really have your feelings around what you just uncovered. Um, so process, you know, take some time. I mean, I ate so much pizza after my epiphany. Oh, my God. I was calling the delivery guy by, like, his childhood nickname. I was like, I had so much pizza, it was ridiculous. And, of course, I gained, you know, I won't tell you, 10 pounds. But, I mean, I laid on the sofa. I cried. I was snotty. Like, I had to get inside of those feelings because if I didn't process those feelings, they were going to come out of me in a less than ideal way going forward. Mm-hmm. So get the feelings out. I mean, don't do it for 20 years, but, you know, take a reasonable amount of time and then figure out what you want. That's step three. If you don't know what you want, like I said earlier, it's like leaving the house without a destination. You're just going to walk in circles. So you have to understand what do you want? What do you want from love? Do you want to get married? Do you want to just, you know, be single and live with someone? Do you want to be alone for a while? Are you looking to live in a particular geography or location? Are you looking for someone that has this very specific value? You know, what are the deal breakers? So figure out what you want. And then the fourth step is lay out your options for getting there. So when I left Hector, I mean, I was in service to one five-year-old golden retriever. Like, that was the breadth of obligations and responsibilities that I had. So, I mean, I could have lived in the Antarctic. And I thought about it. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, maybe there's a nice Jewish scientist looking for looking for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> looking for a
0: nice redhead who knows um but I mean I my options were pretty open but if you're someone who has responsibilities and obligations and you know you don't have the same freedom what are your options to getting to what you want and then this this one is really important they're all important but this one is I think is really important and that's creating a I call it a letting go hit list So it's kind of like seeing a deer in the road. When you see one, you know there's a whole bunch just waiting to come out and cause you trouble. So (laughs) if you have to let go of something, then what else do you have to let go of? I mean, that old belief when I went back into the dating world, oh, my gosh, I have to be a perfect size six at 42, you know, to find a a man. And especially at that age when we're thinking like all the men want 20-year-olds. Um, you know, and maybe you can't compete, but it's not true. And so I had to reckon again with that old belief, but I had new ones. Again, am I too old? You know, um, so, I mean, I think, I think it's really looking at, okay, how, how, what do I have to let go of in order to make this option for getting what I want to work I also moved from one city to the other. So I had to let go of a lot of attachments to things I had in that city. So it's really looking at what you have to let go of. And then I really believe this, Sandy. The last step is I really think you have to put it into a documented plan. I mean, something happens when you write stuff on paper. To Mm. me, there's a certain accountability that happens. Like I keep lists and I put, you know, calendars and I I had a file and a folder of, you know, when I was doing this and what what date I felt like I was going to go there. And if I didn't put down like a timeline or those kinds of things, I would have spun forever. It would have never Mm -hmm. happened. And so, and the one thing that was great about having a plan too is that when doubt came up, and it will it absolutely will. I had something very tangible that I could turn back to that was keeping me on track. So I think putting together that documented plan is really important. And and I, you know, I tell you, it's it's terrible because whenever people come to me and they're like in pain or they say I'm trying to go through something silently in my head, it's this is really horrible. But I'm like putting them through my six step process. I'm like, Oh, you're in stage three and they're just <laughs> sitting in front of me crying, weeping and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm here, I'm listening but Yeah, it really I totally hear work. you.
1: Yeah, actually my my business coach said something at the business retreat that we went to about a week ago. Because everybody was sort of discovering their light and what really uh, is their gift in the world. And she said, you know, Mm -hmm. every time I speak to a new client, to you guys, I see that immediately. But I can't tell you the whole picture yet because Mm it will freak you out. So you have to find (laughs) it on your own. But (laughs) I see it with clients, too. I see their essence. I see all the – I can connect the dots, like what is going on, what's getting in the way, what do you need to let go of. But people can't handle the whole thing. It's just like you're in right. three. Right. But they that's why we see, need people but... like
0: you. That's why we <laughs> yeah. need people like you. I mean, that's why I say, you know, asking for help is the meaning of life.
1: Yes. Because every we, we...
0: successful person I know has like 12 coaches.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It takes courage to ask for help. We are not trained to ask for help. I certainly did not was not brought up that way. You do it yourself. You suck it up and do it yourself, and it's that true, is a recipe you know, for disaster. It's also not a recipe for partnership, which is what people are looking for. So whether it's at work or in love, you need right. to be able to ask for help and give help. It's, it's a mutual thing.
0: And it's also not part of what radical self-love is. I mean, I think, again, when you love yourself, you're not, your ego isn't at work saying, you don't need help. It, you're yeah. not in that space you know you're willing to say oh wow if i get help here that's awesome because then i can get to this goal or i can get to this thing that i really want to have
1: mm-hmm. so i just think mm-hmm. it's a,
0: a whole different mindset that we that we take on when we when we start yeah. to create that and cultivate that self-love
1: i love it i love these steps they make so much sense and yeah oh great thanks yeah no and and the accountability piece i could not agree more i i one thing that happened for me after my divorce was I learned through coaching and through having coaches the the beauty and the effectiveness of accountability. And I think mm-hmm. I had an accountability partner for probably seven years, somebody I spoke to several times a week. We sh- set little goals and mm-hmm. wrote them down, called each other for five, ten minutes, and move on. So powerful. Yeah, that's how you get things done. So, it's the um, way. Yes, it is the way. So, um tell tell our audience um the happy ending cuz you found love and tell us tell us about your guy.
0: I, I did. I did. <laughs> and you know, I, so I found love, I found love on match.com, which just mm. is hysterical because um You know, as you said, I think earlier, you know, in my day, I mean, you know, we didn't have any of this online dating. I mean, we, you know, we tripped over a stone and hoped the person that picked us up was, you know, (laughs) cute and ready for a commitment. So um, that was really, really scary. But um, I met my husband online and, you know, I knew at that stage of the game that I was not going to live with someone or be with someone for 12 years. I knew exactly mm-hmm. who I was. I knew exactly what I wanted, and I wasn't afraid to ask for it. In fact, my, I like to tell the story how my husband, my now husband, sent me. Um, he sent me an email, and it was a beautiful email. It was. A, it was a picture of this couple walking along the beach under a beautiful sunset, and he wrote, "This is what I think of when I think of you." So I got online and I searched for a picture of a very large diamond ring. <laughs> and I cut and pasted into an email and I sent it to him I thought well you know what do I have to lose here at this point point? and he you know he called again so you know the, I think the terrible. key the key is that you know we would both been battered and bruised by love we both you know were of the same age we wanted the same things you know we weren't you know when you get into your 40s I tell this to my friends in their 40s who, who may be single I say you know look first of all, you don't need to date someone for five years to know, you know, you don't have that kind of time. I mean, you know, you're not Uh looking for that. And you're not looking for somebody to like Bill have babies with and start a family. I mean, you're really looking for someone that you want to be in the bunker with and that you want to enjoy your life with and who you want to have as a companion. So, you know, There's certainly, again, back to the idea of perfection. There's no perfection. I mean, at this age, people come with their baggage. They come with stuff. But if they come with the desire to have what you have and the ability to communicate and to love, and they come with their own dose of healthy, radical self-love, I mean, that's a win. And I feel like that's what I found. Mm. And, um, yeah, yeah, my husband is really, hes you know, he's a really special guy. I feel blessed every single solitary day because, you know, I got him when I was 42. So, yeah. you know, it took me a long time. But yeah. I didn't settle.
1: No, nope, you didn't I settle. Didn't settle. A few weeks ago I, I had a woman who was 50, a first-time bride at 50, and married a first-time groom at 56. Wonderful. And yeah, Wonderful. there are success stories that people really need to to hear because it, it gives absolutely. people hope. Um, Absol- so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your story, and I'm so happy that you went through this process. I mean, I'm sorry that you suffered, but I'm happy <laughs> no, that I you know. came out of it with with. <laughs> so much wisdom to share with the world so thank you jill thank you
0: sandy it's great talking with you really enjoyed it you too love your group um, i'll totally be in the group lurking about so
1: okay perfect (laughs) and um i know your website is let go for it let go for com. um anything else you want to share as your parting words
0: no i mean i would just say you know if you have a, a you know if you want to get on my website and look at the, you know, the big wild love columns, the blogs, the talk, it's all on the website. Or if you want to send a note, um, you can reach me on social media at let go for it. I would just say, you know, if you're thinking about letting go or in you're your in a situation that you feel is just not serving you, I mean, sometimes it's so daunting to say to people like, well, you should just let go for it and move on. I, I say, you know, start with yourself first. Do the inner work. Start to look inward to see why you're there, and what you want from life, and how you can get from point A to B. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you, I've held on and I've let go. Let go can be hard, but very transformational. So I wish everybody good luck, and if you have any questions, you know where to find me.
1: Oh, perfect. I think, you know, just to speak to that last point, too many people say, just let go, um, or just be yourself, or just open up, just take your guards down. And I think that's some of the worst advice ever. Um, right. You really need to do the inner work because otherwise it's like jumping off of a high wire without a net, and it feels so scary. But when you mm-hmm. get that inner strength, and that's what my TED talk was about, the tootsie pop. Yep. When you get that inner strength, yeah, you can shed the guards. You can let go. You can love yourself more. So, um, love yourself. You can hum your way. You. you can hum
0: your way through that <laughs> tunnel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, You can hum yes. your way
0: right through that tunnel
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it With a flashlight
0: um, flash So
1: thank you again Jill and thank, thank you for you, doing Mandy. This beautiful work in the world And thank you everybody For listening in today If you love our show please go to Wherever you listen to us And uh, look for Last First Date Radio And rate us and review us um, We really appreciate it It helps more people find us and spreading the word. It's all about love. So I uh, hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye bye. Bye bye.